We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 6. A while back, we looked at Daniel chapter 1 and we talked about standing out. How God calls us to be different by standing out in the right ways at the right times and for the right reasons. Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood out week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. A lot of times we don't realize that when they decided not to eat off the table of the king and to eat the vegetables and the water, that that wasn't just a short amount of time. That was for years that they did that. And so for years they stood out by choosing to do that. And then we proceeded to use Daniel 4, and we talked about standing up. Sometimes the people we love are going to make unwise decisions, and God asks us to stand up in a humble way with love to help reconcile to him and his purpose. And we used Daniel chapter 4 for that, where King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and everybody else is afraid to tell him what the dream means because it's pretty obvious what the dream meant. But everybody was like, "Uh uh-uh, we are not telling him because Nebuchadnezzar was evil. He was known to kill people for giving him bad news. But Daniel served and loved this king. And so out of that love, He stood up to him and said, listen, this is what's going on. You need to change your ways. Fortunately, he didn't. But So we have God calling us now to stand out. Stand up. And today we're going to use Daniel 6 to talk about how to stand strong. Now, I did not grow up in church. But I've heard many a story of the felt board. That was used in children's ministry. How many people in here know of the felt board, right? It was a felt board with felt little characters. Actually, I can probably almost guarantee that if we looked around in here, there's probably a couple around. There is, yeah. I'll bet there is. <laughs> um, and you, so you used those... Uh, you use those characters to create stories, right? You had um, Daniel in the lion's den, Noah's ark, Jonah in the whale, Daniel in the lion's den, you know, all the classics. But one of the challenges of those stories, and particularly the story of Daniel in the lion's den, is a lot of the times we tell it like we're doing it on the felt board in children's church. Daniel is this handsome young man, and the lions are kind of these cute little kitten-looking things. Uh, But the reality is it was nothing like that at all. At this point in Daniel's life, he's probably in his 80s, Uh, When we first talked, he was a teenager. And then the second time, he was in his 40s. And now he's in his 80s. 
in Daniel chapter 6. He's in his 80s. He's an older man, and the lions look nothing like kittens. Nothing at all. They look very much like lions that you see on Animal Planet and Discovery Channel. They are ferocious beasts. And so at this point in the story, uh, Daniel's serving under a different king. He was under Nebuchadnezzar, but now he's under King Darius. And Darius is the third king that Daniel serves under. And history records him, uh, King Darius, as an administrative genius. As soon as he started ruling the kingdom, the first thing he did is he came in and he reorganized everything. He appointed 120 people, and they were known as satraps. And a satrap means, or is, a kingdom protector. That's what the word satrap means, kingdom protector. So then he put three administrators over the 120, and Daniel is one of the three. And the job of the three was to protect against rebellion, Uh, levy taxes, and just to guard against the financial affairs of the nation in general. So let's take a look at Daniel 6. We're going to start to read uh, verses 1 through 3. All right, so Daniel 6, 1 through 3. It says, "It It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to settling him over the whole realm. So all throughout Daniel's life, we see him, he's standing out. He is serving with an excellent spirit. He's always going that extra mile. A lot of the times uh, when we're praying for youth in general, you'll hear my wife, Amy, she'll say, raise up a generation of Daniels. And it's because of this very thing. As a matter of fact, if you read through the book of Daniel and pay attention Daniel is what we call a type, a typography, type, a typography of Christ. If you read through Daniel, there is no record of sin in his life. Now, Daniel was a man. He was a man. I believe that he had sin at some point in his life. It's just in the Old Testament, he is a type of Christ. And when you read through Daniel, you'll see no sin in his life. That's just a little extra tidbit for you. Next time you read through Daniel, look, you'll see no sin. So the king looks at Daniel and thinks, he's knocking it out of the park. I'm going to put this guy in charge. He's going to be second only to me. And that sounds like a great day, right? Daniel gets promoted. He's serving the God of the universe. He can be a great witness. The reality is what looks like a promotion from the outside 
actually introduces a lot of trouble from the inside. The other two administrators get jealous, and they go all Hunger Games on him. We're going to take this guy out. That's what they want to do. We're going to take this guy out. We're going to falsely accuse him. We're going to get him out of the picture so somebody else can have his role, somebody who's more like us. And so they go after him. And we're going to watch Daniel stand strong with a supernatural strength that can only come from a long-term developed faith relationship with God. And so from Daniel chapter 6, we're going to look at three truths that are going to help us to stand strong. So the first one, number one, is when God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. When God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. When God promotes you, expect people to tear you down. And a lot of times, it's the people that you think would be the most excited for you, but they're really jealous and they're the most critical of you. And we even see this in church. There's a new believer This believer is excited about their newfound faith in Christ. They're on fire for the things of God. And then you have a more mature believer come along and say something like, one day you'll settle down. You you can't always be that excited. What a joy kill that is. What they're really saying is, someday you'll be a miserable Christian like me. That's what they're saying. And so for the mature Christians out there, don't be that person. Be an encourager of faith. Be an encourager of faith. Or maybe God is going to speak to you about something a little bit more controversial. You're going to downsize and get out of debt. You're going to be a stay-at-home parent when you could be out making money. Something that's culturally unpopular. You're going to do what God called you to, yet people criticize. You're raised up, and people tear you down. In Australia and New Zealand, it's known as the poppy syndrome. Whenever a poppy plant goes real tall, people come along and cut it down. Here in the U.S., it's called the crab syndrome. Sometimes when I go fishing out at Bald Point, in the Okalakani Bay, I'll bring a crab trap with me. And you throw some um, like raw chicken down in the bottom, and I'll let it sit at the dock, and the blue crabs will come. A lot of the blue crabs are great to eat, but I like to use them for bait, for big black drum. So the so you get the crab, the crabs in there, you pull them out, and you throw the crabs in a bucket. Well, have you ever seen a bunch of crabs in a bucket? When one tries to get out, the rest of them, and it it looks just like this, the rest of them try to drag it back down. It's the crab syndrome. If you can't get out of here, if, if I can't get out of here, you can't get out of here. Let me pull you down. If you can't be free, if I can't be free, you can't be free. When God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. And we see this played out in Daniel 6, 4, and 5. And it says, So the governors and satraps 
sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. In other words, if we can't find the skeletons in your closet, we're going to run some political ads and you're not going to get reelected. You're not going to get reelected. Oh, where was I there? Oh, yeah. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So they come up with a plan. So often people think, hey, if I'm serving God, I shouldn't face any opposition. I mean, I'm trying to do what God is calling me to do, so I shouldn't have people come against me, right? I shouldn't be facing such hard times. But in Ephesians 6, it tells us, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of this dark world. And so whenever you're moving the kingdom of God forward, you're, you can always expect resistance from the enemy. And sometimes the enemy works through people and even well-meaning people. And if you're not ready to face opposition, then you're not ready to be used by God. This is why I don't worry ever when I face opposition. I worry when there's no opposition. When there's no opposition in my life, it means I've become somewhat stagnant and I'm probably not helping much in the advancement of the kingdom when there's no advance, when there's no opposition in my life. So Daniel's standing out, he's standing up, he's standing strong, and there's opposition against him. And it's those two other administrators, and they're like, we have got to stop him. And if you read the story through, basically, they go into the king, and they butter him up. I don't know how, right? They, but they have to go in, they butter him up. Because this is a king, right? And when you read through, sometimes when you read through these stories, you think to yourself, Gosh, that was way too easy for that to happen. But anyway, they go in, they butter him up. Man, King, you been, you been lifting? You been lifting? You bulking up, man? You getting big? Yeah. Dude, are those the Curry 6 sandals? Those, those things are milk, man. Milk. That is my Gen Z termination. Or my Gen Z translation. Milk means like awesome, I guess. So how about this, they say. Okay, they butter them up. They say, how about this? You issue a law or a decree that over the next 30 days, nobody can pray to any God except for you. And if they pray to another God, they're going to be thrown in the lion's den. And Darius, he's much like most other kings. They're, they're vulnerable to pride, and oftentimes they try to deify themselves in some way. Even though he knows they're not a god, he's no, he wasn't a god, he likes to be treated like a god. And so Darius agrees to the decree. Now this creates a problem for Daniel, because Daniel is a great man of prayer. He's a great man of prayer. Quick thought. 
If somebody made a law like that today, how many people would worry about you because you're known as a person of prayer? Just something to think about. So the two other administrators divide this, devise this plan because they know Daniel is faithful in prayer. So again, we hear this story, we think, cute little lions, buff Daniel, he's in the den. The reality, Daniel's old and wrinkly, and these are bloodthirsty, ferocious beasts. Okay? He has no idea that, what God's going to do. He has no idea that God's going to rescue him. But Daniel had to make a decision. And there's three options I see when I read through this. The first is he could have just stopped praying, right? 80 years, he's 80 years old. It would have been real easy for him to say, God, I've been doing this for a long time, 70 years. I can take a month off. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. The second thing he could have done and to be quite honest, as I was thinking through this, probably what I would have done is he could have faked it. He could have just simply faked it. Just pray silently. I'm not going to pray out loud. I'm just going to sit here silently. What are you doing? You praying? No, not at all. I'm just sitting here. Nothing's going on. Just faked it. Or the third thing that he could have done is what he did do. And he just kept praying. Publicly, praying aloud, and risking death. And that's what Daniel's willing to do. Because his faith in God is strong. His faith in God is that strong that he's willing to risk death to, to stick to praying three times a day. I wonder what it was that built up such an audacious faith like that, to be able to do that. I, I, like I said, I honestly don't think I could have done it. I, I probably would have faked it. The second thought I have is that kneeling to pray is what gives us the strength to stand. And that's what it was for him. Kneeling to pray is what gives us the strength to stand. I want to take a look at verse 10 real quick. It says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. What did he do after this decree? He went right home, upstairs to his room, like it says, faces Jerusalem, and prayed three times that day, just as he had always done before. Our first response to trials should never be to panic, but to pray. And even our language gives away just how little we truly value prayer in our culture. Think about this. Think about it. We'll do everything we can. 
We're going to manipulate. We're going to try to control. And when we've done everything within our power, our language gives us away when we say, well, all we can do now is pray. Well, all we can do now is pray. I mean, all I have left is prayer. I've done everything I know how to do. Now all I have left is prayer. Friends, we can pray. We can pray. That's our first response. We can petition the King of Kings. We can come before the throne of God, thanks to Jesus. We have instant access at all times to the creator and sustainer of life. We have an audience with the God who cares about every detail of your life. We can pray. We can pray. Never is it all we can do is pray. We can pray. And notice here, Daniel doesn't announce his prayers to make some sort of public show. He just went and did what he always had done. He went home, knelt down and prayed. And I think much of Daniel's success in life was based on pre-decisions. We talked about this a while back. He pre-decided not to defile himself by eating the food from the table of the king. Now somewhere in his life, probably decades before this moment in his 80s, he made a decision. I'm going to seek God three times a day. I'm a child of God. I need to start my day with God. I need him in the middle of the day, and I need him in the end of the day. I need to be able to distinguish, to distinguish his voice other, over all the other voices. I need his strength. Therefore, three times a day. If you haven't predecided a plan to get to know God, chances are you're not going to do it. You're not going to get to know him. If you have no plan, you're planning to fail. Put a plan together. Put a plan together. Over the years, my personal time with God has changed. Uh, there was a time in my life when it was absolutely the first thing I did in the morning, um, right when I woke up. Um, there was a time in my life when I worked third shift as a uh, security guard at a car lot, and the lot wasn't very big. So I would pull the guard car up into the middle of the lot and turn the light on, and it gave me a ton of time with God. Basically a whole eight-hour shift. <laughs> I, there, there was not ever, I never had any sort of trouble on the lot. So that, that was good. But a whole eight, you know, a whole eight hours there. And now lately, it just kind of depends on what's going on. Um, but I always spend time with him before noon. Um, there's no need to be legalistic about it. Um, but you, we need to carve out time to spend with him every day. Because if you don't have a plan, you're planning to fail. And notice also how he prayed. 
he knelt before God in prayer. Daniel could stand before men because he knelt before God. And if you've never uh, knelt before God in prayer, uh, you're missing out on one of the most powerful postures of humility and surrender there is. And posture matters. Posture matters. It's, It's really hard to worship God like this. Arms crossed, mean mugging. It's really hard to worship God like this. But it's not hard when you start to do this, right? Or when you start to do this. How hard is it, right? Your posture matters. Think about it. Your posture can dictate what's going on in your mind and in your heart. Sometimes it just takes a simple... Just open up, and boom, everything changes. So don't kid yourself. Your posture matters. When you kneel down, there's kind of this sense of reverence and of humility and dependence. Sometimes kneeling isn't enough. Sometimes it's appropriate to lay face down or prostrate before the Lord, otherwise known as sucking carpet. You ever been in a prayer meeting where people are sucking carpet? That is a sign of humility. We get low before God because we want Him to know how high He is in our hearts. It's symbolic. We call on Him, we listen to Him, we depend on Him. So Daniel predetermined sometime long before that he is going to seek God in prayer. When life gives you something that knocks you down, seek God in prayer. When life gives you more than you can stand, seek God in prayer. Kneel before Him in prayer. And He'll give you the strength to stand. At some point in life, if you're a follower of Christ, you're going to take a stand. We talked about this before too, right? You're going to take some sort of courageous stand. It could be against some big world issue. It could be that you take a stand in your neighborhood over something. Um, maybe you don't take a business, do a, do a business deal because it lacks integrity. There's something about it that's just sketchy. And you're going to trust God. It could be that your significant other is pushing you to do things that you know are wrong because you're not married. And you want to honor God with your choices. Or your kid doesn't play in a certain soccer league because there's too many games that will take you away from church and you know that you need church to be a priority for your family. It's going to look different for everybody. And kind of what's going on in your mind is like, well, what happens if my kid doesn't play college soccer because he wasn't in that better league with the better competition? Or what happens if I get overlooked for that promotion and end up losing my job because I wouldn't do that deal. And what I wish I could tell you is that it's always going to work out just the way you want, but I can't. Daniel could have easily asked, what if the lions eat me and God doesn't rescue me? You know, 
It's not some Disney movie. It's real life. And it's a sovereign, he's a sovereign God. And the word says his ways are higher than our ways. And his understanding, we often can't understand what's going on. He'll do things that don't make sense to us. So I can't promise you that if you're going to take a stand, you're not going to face consequences. That's something that's... uh, that something's not going to come against you, that people aren't going to resist you, that you're not going to get hurt, overlooked. But what I can promise you, and this is the last point, is that when you do what's right, you can always trust God with the results. When you do what's right, you can always trust God with the results. And this is the part that's so difficult for us to understand. Daniel didn't know the end of the story when he was in the middle of the story, right? He doesn't know that he'd be a Sunday school lesson for centuries to come. He had no idea that it would end the favorable for him. All he knew was that for 80 years, God has been faithful to me. For 80 years, God has been faithful to me. So no matter what, Daniel's going to be faithful to God. That's it, period. There's no negotiation no but what ifs or but how come. No, this doesn't seem fair. There's none of that. God's been faithful to me, so I'm going to be faithful to him. If he saves me, I trust him. If he doesn't save me, I trust him. So Darius is devastated because he likes Daniel. Everybody looked at Daniel with favor except for the ones that were jealous of him. And now the king is mad because he was tricked. And he tries to to get out of it and finagle some things, but he can't because he gave his word. So the king, this heathen pagan king, goes and it says in the word that he fasts and prays for Daniel, who was put in the lion's den. That's, that's wild when you think about it. That's how much favor Daniel had, is that this king is going to fast and pray for him. Now, we don't know who he prayed to, but still, fasted and prayed. Now, we don't know exactly what happens inside of the lion's den. All we know is that what doesn't happen, right? And he wasn't eaten. God shut the mouths of the lions. And I believe, I do believe that this is a literal story that reflects the goodness and power of God in Daniel's life. Um, And in the morning, the first thing King Darius does is he gets up and he runs and checks on Daniel. Are you okay? Has your God, and this is great, whom you continually serve, I've watched you, right? He says, whom you continually serve has your God whom you continually serve, rescued from rescued you from the pit of the lions. And so in verses 22 and 23, in worship team, you guys can come back up here. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him, 
And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. And why was this the outcome? Because Daniel trusted God. That's why that was the outcome. Because when you do what's right, you can always trust God with the results. But there were two guys in the story who didn't do what was right. And the king calls them in and says, Tisk, tisk, tisk. Right? Now you're going to the lion's den. And the king then issues a decree that everyone in the kingdom should fear the God of Daniel. Because Daniel was faithful to God, God was faithful to him. And even if God had chosen not to close the mouths of the lions, Daniel still would have said, my God has always been faithful to me. Now if you're facing some sort of opposition, and I know many people are, remember when God raises you up, people are going to try to tear you down. It's just part of it. You've got to deal with it. If you're going to do great things for the kingdom of God, you're going to have to get used to it. Worry if you're not facing opposition. Remember, worry if you're not facing opposition. Because that probably means you're not doing a whole lot. Kneeling to pray gives you the strength to stand. And if you haven't predetermined how you're going to grow in your relationship with God, you're probably not going to grow much at all. And if you're under any sort of conviction right now that you need to set aside time for God, good. Let it come. Let that conviction change you. Because when you do what's right, you can always trust Him with the results. And in Ephesians 6, one more time, it says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of this world. We're going to stand firm in the faith and we're going to put on the full armor of God. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and the belt of truth. And our shoes are prepared with the gospel of peace. And when we've done everything else, what are we going to do? Not pray. No, we, we, we prayed first. We're going to stand strong. We're going to stand strong because God is faithful. And he'll always be faithful. And so we're going to be faithful to him. Will you guys stand with me? Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. 
For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com. 